0: Listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It is your daily
1: 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 12th of July 2023. Later on Market Day, we will speak with Francesco Destrades from Ordmanet about the day on the markets. But first to the Reserve Bank, which has responded to the government's review and will make some changes to the way it operates. The big change is the frequency of board meetings. So instead of 11 times a year from 2024, the board will meet eight times a year. Those meetings will go over two days as opposed to one, which is now the case, and a media conference will now be held after the announcement. That announcement will continue to be accompanied by a written statement, but issued by the board instead of the governor. And there will also be a pre-meeting so that the board can consult with other internal staff to hear from a broader range of opinions. It has, however, avoided other decisions, which it says avoids the current board locking in the new board into a particular approach. So that includes the publication of an unattributed vote count, and that all board members make regular public appearances to discuss their thinking and decision on monetary policy. So for his take on all of this, I spoke with Shane Oliver, the Chief Economist at AMP Capital. Shane, so the RBA Governor has announced some key changes from 2024 in terms of the way the board meets. First of all, less frequent meetings, eight a year instead of 11. Why do you think that is?
2: Well, it's basically consistent with the recommendation from the review, and the theory is that if you're having a meeting every month, like is currently the case, it doesn't give you a lot of time to assess things. Obviously, many of the staff at the RBA are just responding to recent data and summarising that data, whereas if you spread those meetings out, you could have a more considered process and a better analysis. So the aim of it is to increase the quality of RBA decisions.
1: What will it mean for borrowers, though? Could it mean bigger moves in interest rates than what we're used to, normally 25 basis points, and is that a good or a bad thing?
2: On balance, it probably means that we're going to see more 50 basis point moves at times rather than the stock standard 25 basis point moves. For the simple reason is that if the RBA is meeting 11 times a year, um, it has lots of goes at it. But if it's only meeting eight times a year, it arguably will have to move more quickly at times if it wants to get to a particular point in terms of interest rates. And we've seen that with other central banks around the world that have tended to move in bigger increments than the Reserve Bank does because they meet less frequently than the Reserve Bank currently does.
1: The board meeting will now be longer than is currently the case from one morning that Tuesday morning to over two half days and there'll be an internal pre-meeting. Why this change?
2: I think these changes are to give a, a, a better better um, guidance, I guess, or more opportunities for the board to assess uh, the recommendations that are coming from the Reserve Bank. Uh, so I, I guess it just gives more time for the board to assess things, Uh, leads to a better informed board, um, gives them more exposure to Reserve Bank research. So so that
1: should probably be a good thing. Uh, There's often been a lot of talk about transparency at the Reserve Bank. One, yes, there'll now be a media conference after the announcement. But at the same time, the board hasn't decided to endorse, I guess, the publication of unattributed vote counts for now. It also says it's not doing that because it doesn't want to make a decision about another board, which I guess hasn't really been set up. Yet at the same time, though, these decisions about um, how frequent the Monetary Policy Board will meet has been made.
2: Look, there's some inconsistencies there because a lot of announcements do relate to the new board that will be appointed to oversee the setting of monetary policy. On the other hand, there's some other aspects that have been left to that new board. Obviously, meeting frequency, you could argue, is an issue for the new board. Um, So you could argue, yes, there's inconsistency there. But broadly speaking, this package... Of changes on its own does lead to, to more transparency from the Reserve Bank. Just having a press meeting uh, eight times a year immediately after every meeting um, does lead to a more transparent process. As an economist, I would say, well, I probably won't get that much more because the Reserve Bank Governor invariably does a speech after the meetings anyway. Um, but you'd have to say that the Reserve Bank will be releasing more here, um, more commentary coming directly from the Reserve Bank. You'll have The Reserve Bank Governor, if not other spokespeople, explaining the decisions on the day. And also in four of those meetings, four of the eight meetings, will now get the long 70, 80 page monetary policy statement on the same day at the same time. So there's going to be an avalanche of information within the space of an hour or two um, when the Reserve Bank makes those announcements.
1: It'll mean more um, work for professionals like you and I guess journalists as well at the same time. The the, the other curious change, Shane, is the uh, accompanying statement which comes with the decision will be attributed to the board as opposed to the governor, which it is at the moment. I mean, I guess part of that will be negated because um, the RBA governor will front the media uh, an hour after that, that announcement will be published. But do you still think this is in relation to all the attention the, the current governor is getting, a lot of it bad around interest rates and the inference that the, the decision on interest rates is solely his decision?
2: Yeah, I think this is all about responding to recent criticism that maybe it's, it's uh, all at the hands of the governor. I think it wants to sp- the Reserve Bank wants to spread that perception across the board as a whole, that the board as a whole is responsible, that they've had a good discussion about this, even though we don't know the, the votes, um, but, and rather than the current situation where the perception is that it's all the Reserve Bank governor. So to some degree that makes sense to me.
1: Finally, and I know a lot of um, economists and professionals don't want to get into uh, what will happen uh, in terms of leadership at the Reserve Bank Board uh, in coming months, but do you think the RBA Governor has done a good job, Philip Lowe, in his seven-year reign, given his job is up for renewal?
2: Look, on balance, I think Governor Lowe has done a very good job at the Reserve Bank. Yes, he made some mistakes through the pandemic, notably in relation to the guidance about leaving interest rates on hold out to 2024. But don't forget, they are extreme times, and I think... If you assess the whole period, he's actually played a pivotal role in getting our unemployment rate down to a near 40-year low. And I think he should be given a lot of credit for that. He's also helped many Australians get through the pandemic without defaulting on their loans, um, given the, the easy monetary policy we saw through that period. And of course, like other central banks around the world, he's had to respond very quickly this pickup in inflation we've seen but of course the reserve banks in fact done it in a more balanced way than other central banks have we've raised interest rates by less than other countries have so you could argue that he's, he's undertaken this monetary tightening in a more balanced fashion than other central banks so my view is he has done a good job yes he's made some mistakes like many others have but i think he should be allowed to continue for another three years or so in this role at least to get the job done in terms
1: of getting inflation down Shane Oliver, there, chief economist at AMP
0: Capital. Now, Market Day on the SBS On the Money podcast.
1: Australian share market had a good day. The S and P ASX two hundred up zero point four percent, seven thousand one hundred and thirty five. For more, I spoke with Francesco Destradas. He's an investment advisor at Ordminet. Francesco, the RBA governor announced changes to the way the RBA will conduct interest rate meetings from 2024, including frequency. So, does this have any market implications at all?
0: Look, initial uh, look at it, you probably think it doesn't. But when you when you sort of step back from it and say, well, eight meetings a year compared to eleven, I suppose there is potential there for um, some potential air, air market impacts. Uh, with less frequency in meetings it might mean sometimes that the central bank may need to m- make an adjustment greater than they would normally so that would have a bigger impact upon the market um, and i think the other the area where they they they're trying to be more transparent with their messaging uh, would probably impact the markets probably on, on a on a positive way because if they if they're more transparent and they they're giving us more information then our anticipation of what they might do uh, would have less impact when they do make their changes on the market. And therefore, you know, uh, dealing rooms around the country won't be sitting there on the first Tuesday of every month waiting on uh, the Reserve Bank to move on rates and and create that volatility in the market. So I think it will smooth it out a bit. Um, They're really just emulating pretty much what's happening with the Fed and and, and the the UK Central Bank. Um, So, look... um, I think the Central Bank here in Australia has done a pretty good job over the last 30 or 40 years to maintain um, inflation within their bands and a fairly steady economy. They did make a mistake, um, and the Governor did uh, mention that in his his Q&A at the uh, Economic Society lunch today, that... um, the COVID period was unprecedented, so um, they'd expected that the world economy would have suffered a great deal more, and therefore they anticipated that rates would be um, lower for longer. That wasn't the case, uh, and they have to react on what the uh, economic uh, the economic conditions are putting forward rather than what might come forward.
1: Let's talk about the market today. It's up. Why? And what's leading it higher?
0: Yeah, look, the market's been driven by um, higher oil prices and higher iron ore prices overnight. So energy stocks are performing well. They're up uh, about 2.2%. Resources stocks are higher. Mainly the larger ones, uh, like your BHP, Rio, Fortescue, Min Resources, uh, they're up, uh, that sector's up about 2%. Uh, And on the flip side, healthcare's um, been under pressure of late, um, and I think that's a a bit of a hangover from COVID as well. Um, the healthcare stocks are off about 06 of a percent. Uh, looking at, you know, areas of, the, of the positivity, Instech pivots up a bit over 5% today. Um, there is um, some talk around them uh, demerging the company into fertilisers and uh, explosives. Um, so Donna Nobel may uh, end up back on the market again, um, but um, they're also considering potentially selling the... Uh, uh, the fertilizer business to a uh, to a trade sale, so so that's put a bit of a light under Instech pivot. It has been a very poor performer over the last 12 to 18 months as well. So. Um, it's interesting to see that going on. On the negative side of things, I mentioned the bigger resources stocks are performing well, uh, but the small cap ones are are under a bit of pressure at the moment. So I think a bit of money is moving more towards the large caps. They do look relatively cheap uh, on an earnings basis. So I think there's a bit of money going that way. But all in all, positive day on the market so far. Um, We did get a good lead from the US and that was a result of those uh, commodities prices, which I mentioned earlier as well.
1: Let's talk higher inflation and rates. They are hitting consumers. But how exactly is it being reflected on the share market, especially those consumer discretionary stocks? I so note own owner KMD confirming it is on track to deliver record sales, but at the same time, it's seeing a softer consumer sentiment.
0: Yeah, we've seen um, some of those announcements come out of the better uh, retailers um, in in recent times as well. So JB Hi-Fi was similar in their announcement, probably a month or two ago, where they announced that they're on track to achieve their uh, 2023 targets, but uh, experiencing a slowdown in sales. So I don't think whether you're a a, a, um, a quality retailer or a um, or a poor retailer, that um, you, you you're going to escape the downturn in 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 consumption with with the higher interest rates, higher energy costs. Um, so higher living costs for households means that they're going to have to sort of forego some of this discretionary spending. And that's where some of these stocks fit into it. So, look, I'd be looking at exiting some of the discretionary retailers uh, at this stage. I wouldn't be waiting until next year where we might see a, a real downturn in, in, in their earnings. Um, and, and look, you know, some of these stocks like JB Hi-Fi are good quality companies. Uh, but there's no need to be there at the moment. I think, uh, yeah, we'll probably see in another 12 18 months a bit of a turn in the cycle and there might be a time to get back into it.
1: Uh, focus now turns to the US, the Consumer Price Index out tonight. What's expected and what's it likely mean for interest rates? Because while inflation is still a problem in many parts of the world, not everyone is continuing to lift. The RBNZ uh, left interest rates on hold today at 5.5%.
0: Yeah, so we're anticipating a prop, uh, inflation to come in around 3.1% in the US tonight. So what's been happening over the last 12 to 18 months is some of those higher uh, monthly numbers have, have been cycling out. So what we're starting to see is that trend coming off. Um, so what I'd anticipate numbers around 3%, 3.1, even 3. I think the Fed would be quite happy with numbers around those levels. If we start seeing 3.5 to 4, um, we could probably anticipate another rate rise in the US fairly shortly. Uh, On the New New Zealand front, um, the the, the official rates in in New Zealand are already around 5.5%. So they're relatively high still compared to, say, the likes of Australia, for instance. Um, And also they've already dipped into recession. So we've seen their GDP start to decline, um, and then we, we've seen some, um, um, some, um, some storm damage over there as well. So, so they've already dipped into recession. So I don't think the central bank over there needs to really tinker with uh, the, the, the interest rates over there. They'd probably be wise to leave them as they are until they can see what happens with the economy over the next six to 12 months.
1: Finally, in this environment, are there any opportunities for investors at the moment?
0: Always opportunities um, in the market, doesn't matter where, <laughs> where you are. Obviously leading into reporting season here in Australia, so it is a bit of a minefield. Um, yeah, the risk is you pick up something that you think is good uh, and they have a downgrade in their earnings expectations. We are moving into a confession season at the moment uh, and that's always going to put a spanner into works. But, look, I think um, I mentioned healthcare earlier. Um, it's come off about 0.6%. It, it has been really one of the underperformers Uh, since the recovery after COVID. So I think there's some opportunities there in the healthcare sector. Uh, In financials, insurance stocks have been performing extremely well over the last 12 months, the likes of QBE, IAG, Suncorp. Um, I think that might continue a little bit longer. So I think there's a little bit more in that trade, not too much more. So what's happened there is obviously you've you've come out the back end of a number of uh, disasters with floods and, and fires and so on. Um, So we're in a period now where um, insurance companies are increasing premiums um, and then they've moved into a higher higher, uh, interest rate environment, which is all good for their uh, investments as well. So the insurance stocks have been performing well. There might be a little bit more there. uh, But going into reporting season and higher rates, i still be focused on the larger cap stocks and the smaller ones at the moment. Um, I think we are getting close to that interest rate inflection point Uh, When we do start to see interest rates come off, and that might be in the first half of next year, maybe second half, uh, that's when I think the market will start to rally. But at the moment, I think we're just in a bit of a holding pattern, so we're range trading at the moment. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation.